Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed podcast today. And I have a guy calling in from Los Angeles, and he is an author. He is an aspiring writer, Mr. Jason Yamas. Welcome, Jason Yamas, to the Unimpressed podcast. Thanks for having me today. So it's a very interesting tale, I guess, tell the tape, tell of your life, uh, being involved in the San Francisco area and being involved in this meth business. Uh, tell me a little bit about what led you down that road. I was a film producer living in Los Angeles. I had uh, I had gone to NYU planning to be a filmmaker, hopefully an actor, uh, had big lofty dreams. And I ended up getting bogged down by an Adderall addiction, uh, which is, you know, very common these days. Uh, I had never done Adderall. Like a lot of college students will take it to pass their tests and, and uh, to get through, you know, intensive study weeks. Uh, I never did that. I studied acting, so it just it didn't require that kind of, of enhancement. But in my late, and then the early 2010s, I was producing a very intensive project for a famous songwriter who's now passed. Uh, we were doing vi music videos and a documentary and, and recording original music. And it was just all encompassing and had us traveling to Detroit. And uh, I was basically doing three different people's jobs all at once. So I somebody offered me Adderall one day when we were on set. And I realized, well, well, I, I can turn my eight-hour day into a 12-hour day very easily by utilizing this stimulant drug. It's Yes, it's it's prescribed for focus, but really what it is is speed. Uh, it's not too different from crystal meth, uh, as I came to find out years a couple of years later. Uh, that Adderall addiction ballooned over the course of two or three years. It went from taking 10 milligrams a day to toward the end, I was taking 120 milligrams a day, having to drink alcohol and smoke marijuana and take NyQuil just to be able to come down to get a few hours of sleep each night. Uh, it really, it really got out of control. Um, and then in 26, early 2016, I had run out of Adderall uh, in a very work intensive week and I needed to get through uh, my responsibilities. And I had read an article uh, that was floating around social media that compared, uh, it was a doctor, a doctor had written the article. Uh, the intention of the article was to dissuade parents who are prescribing their children prescribed uh, hefty amounts of Adderall. I was trying to dissuade them from uh, utilizing the drug. But and to do so, they said, you know, it's pretty much chemically the same thing as crystal meth. So I thought to myself, reading this article, well, if it's the same as crystal meth, then why don't I just find some crystal meth? Uh, which and mm -hmm. crystal meth is might be a difficult thing to find for the average person. Uh, or maybe not everybody has uh, their dealer down down the street, uh, you know, pushing crystal meth in the corner. Uh, but in the in gay culture, it's actually quite easy. Um, it's been a long problem in <clears throat> in gay culture and gay societies going on for decades now. 
there's an epidemic of meth use combined with dangerous sexual behaviors that occurs in the uh, certain facets of the gay community. Being knowing that, knowing that that existed, although I had not really explored that maybe once or twice, just uh, out of curiosity, uh, but I hadn't really Mm -hmm. submerged myself into this lifestyle. But I knew it was there. So I went on to Grindr, which is a dating app or more more realistically, a hookup app uh, that gay men use. And it's really not very hard to find uh, crystal meth when you go into Grinder. You go on there, people are using different slogan and different uh, emojis and all kinds of different coded language to be able to express that they are either partying with crystal meth or that they are selling crystal meth. So that is how I originally found my way into using crystal meth. What do you think drives that addiction, the sexual addiction, you know, in the gay community? Because I think a lot of times that type of drug goes hand in hand, right? You think it's just a state of mind? Do you think it's a a makeup? What do you think drives that? I can't speak as a whole. There's no one uh, true answer for everyone. It differs from person to person. But what I have found within myself and with uh, within a lot of the folks that I've met that have suffered this addiction, it often stems from uh, what I call gay shame. Uh, you know, we have we as gay people have been ostracized by society for decades. It used to be illegal to even express our orientation. Uh, publicly, people, uh, you know, still to this day, people you know, can be walking down the street holding hands with somebody of the same gender and be attacked. It happens all the time. Of course, uh, those who are suffering the brunt of it, at, at the worst are the trans community now. But anybody in the LGBTQ plus community has experienced that, whether it's being attacked or being yelled at or being name called or as simple as being kicked out of your house because uh, growing up because you're gay or losing family members, losing friends. Uh, there's been we've been made to feel other and to be told that what we are and who we inherently are is wrong. And that pain goes pretty deep. For a lot of us, it manifests as internalized homophobia. It doesn't mean that we can turn off who we are. We still are who we are. We're still attracted to the genders that we are attracted to. But we find ourselves hating that and thus unable to perform sexually and to be able to show up in a healthy sexual relationship with our orientation. And taking crystal meth it really quashes a lot of that disquietude, a lot of a lot of the uh, ambivalence and uh, and shame. It, it pushes it to the side and allows people to engage in their sexuality. But what it does is it takes it to the excess, to uh, to an excessive point. Yeah, it, most of the utilization of it is within group sex scenarios, orgies, uh, uh, anonymous sexual scenarios, often with people who don't know their limits. Uh, and and it can become quite violent in these scenarios a lot of the time. Well, let's, let's walk that back a little bit. All right. You know, I, I have this thing about uh, understanding your subconscious, which creates your unconscious bias. And then a lot of times this limits people from getting to consciousness. I 100% agree that, you know, you are who you are, you know, and, and I don't know why society doesn't 
look at it more of in a simple way. You know, it's if you're if you're made a certain way and you have those attractions, then that's what you're attracted to. You can't change that balance, if you will. So when you think about the when you mentioned suppression and you're you're growing up as a kid in some of these narratives in society that come through your parents and so forth, how early of an age do you think that suppression starts? Because when you're, what happens is, is your your subconscious. When you're born, you obviously you carry some lineage with you. When you're, you know, the, before you get there, and then day one, you're walking through life, and your subconscious begins to be programmed. Depend on the vibrations, how heavy those vibrations are, and how heavy the suppression is, the negativity, all that stuff is that creates. You know, when you get out in life, then you get that the double source coming back of how you respond to things with your unconscious bias and how heavy that subconscious is programmed. It really limits people get to get getting to consciousness. When do you think as a kid, if you, if you know you're gay and you know you have these tendencies and you have these feelings, but you're being told all these different things, when do you think that really hits, hits somebody that feels that way? What, what age? When does that suppression start? It's a good question. It probably differs from person to person. I know for me, it was around six or seven years old. Uh, I was attracted to both uh, sexes, uh, both girls and, and guys, and uh, bo- you know, boys and girls uh, at that age. And and remember expressing a desire, you know, to 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 want to kiss a boy on the cheek uh, in elementary school, and being told, you know, no, that's that's your boys don't kiss other boys, and it's just as simple as that. And you're being you're being told the very thing that you know is your impulse, and you know is you're you're beginning to learn is your identity. You're being told by your teacher, by your parent, by your church leader, whomever that. No, it's wrong. It's wrong. You cannot do it. You mustn't do it. And I feel, I really feel for those who uh, endure further deprogramming or you know, psychological torture to try to reverse their sexual, well, I guess they would call it proclivities, um, uh, but what is really just their identity. Uh, that I, People that have to undergo that is unthinkable, really. But everybody to a degree is experiencing that kind of rejection, that kind of massive societal rejection. Who I am beginning to realize is me, I'm told is not right. So immediately you're, you're, you're questioning everything. How do I, where do I even fit in? Who are my friends? And to this day, to this day, 37 years old, published author, uh, you know, about queer topics, I still, I go to the gym, and if I see somebody who I think is attractive, I feel extremely self-conscious to even give them a look uh, that lets them know that. And, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with giving somebody a look that says, I think that you are a good-looking person. I think you're attractive. I'm interested in you. However, that programming goes so deep, and I'm sure it started for me so young, that it goes that deep, that it is still to this day very difficult for me to feel comfortable flirting, if you will, uh, unless I know for sure the person that I'm flirting with shares the same orientation and share and potentially shares the same affections. Uh, it's it's yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I it's one thing to be rejected because somebody just doesn't like you, but it's another thing to be rejected because they don't even they're not even on the same team. Yeah. Well, when you're when you're coming out of that position, I'll say, and and you're trying to enter life, 
and you suppress, you know, you're very suppressed and so forth. And you're wanting as much, uh, I would say, empathy and, and stimulation. I think from a very simple rationale, you can see why you would want extreme, extem- you know, extreme stimulation because of the extreme suppression. You have ne- hit the nail on the head. Uh, that is exactly right. Um, we 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 come together. We as as meth addicts. Me formerly as a active meth addict. Uh, and meth and sex, mind you, the, the two really do go hand in hand. It, it is a dual addiction. Not everybody in the world that has a crystal meth addiction has a sex addiction. But more times than not in the gay community, the crystal meth addiction is also a sex addiction. We explore it in excess. I mean, do you think there's a way to educate that? I mean, you know, because I think the mind is a very, very powerful thing. And if you could start with young people instead of some, you know, some of the crazy programs they have in the world today and just looked at things that are like, hey, black or white, do you think there's a way to inject a, a better narrative to try to help that mindset in the gay community instead of these emotional swings? Because I'm a believer, too, that when you're very, very emotional and you're trying to do something good or trying to help somebody... Uh, a lot of times those emotional decisions may not be the right decision. Do you think there's a way to do it better or do it right to try to, you know, to teach people, uh, you know, and make them understand themselves more? Yeah, I think radical acceptance of whomever somebody is, whether they uh, identify as genderqueer or non-binary or gay or lesbian or uh, or whatever their other sexual and identities and orientations are, uh, their gender identities are, they need to be accepted from early on. Uh, the, telling children know who they are. They're beginning, they, they don't know the details, but they know the essence of who they are. And children need to be believed when they, when mm-hmm. they, be, when they begin to expose things. And, they, and then they need to be loved. They need to be held and told, yes. We love you no matter how you are, no matter who you are. You see these cliche moments on TV shows, right, where where uh, the person's so afraid to come out and they finally do. And the parent wraps them up in a hug and says, I love you no matter what. Uh, and you know what? It's a cliche. Sure. But it doesn't happen every time. And it needs to. It needs to happen no matter mm-hmm. what your who you voted for, no matter what uh, spirituality denomination you believe in, you need to get around all of all of that and just accept who your child is, no matter what. Because I think in society, in a way, we w- there's no more narratives left. And I think that's why you see mm-hmm. some crazy programs and stuff that really doesn't make any sense to me being done. Instead of feeding off what we see as a society and looking at, all right, we run out of narratives all the bullshit's out in the open. You know, I think if we can learn how to create a new environment with new ideas, right, you eliminate opinions, you start to eliminate controversy. Um, how do how do we get there? How can we create a new environment for that for that position and that place? Because I can look at you, good looking guy, 
and and you're talking about that stimulation hitting having the sex and then the drug stimulation you were probably you probably got big because of your personality you're like i'm the man of the man you know good looking dude you're the hustler of the hustlers you know in the space so i can see the the extra extremities from your standpoint of why you might have been in the position you were in as a as a major player once you figured it out that makes sense i certainly utilized my charm <laughs> in um in yeah. that world to feel like i belonged and to be able to take me to uh the next level of having purpose uh that was so much of what my my addiction was was just trying to find community trying to find my own tribe and trying to find purpose uh you know i i made crystal meth my entire world uh, it was it was the thing that kept me going it was the thing that i woke up for if i slept at all and it was it was it was the thing that made me money until it didn't uh, <laughs> uh it became my ultimately became my story uh, which it still is to a degree. I don't think I'm answering your first part of your question. I think I, I, I forgot what your first part of your question was. I was just interjecting a thought process. I think we've run out of narratives. And I think if we can figure out a way to clean the slate, right, and create a new environment with new ideas, then you can eliminate opinions and controversy. But when you feed off the current environment, that causes a lot of problems. Yeah, I don't know uh, what you're saying to me sounds uh like it could be translated into those that that believe um you know once we once we get to a certain place of uh acceptance like like when obama was elected and people said okay well now we're in a post-racial world we can move forward and and it to me i found it to be a very very diluted perspective no we're, we're not just because we have now have a black president does not mean we're in a post-racial world. Uh, we we need to still grapple with uh, the ways of, with race relations and how our country was founded around that. And I think the same thing comes to to queerness. Um, just because le certain legislation has been passed and DOMA has been overturned, and we have a uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg is the Secretary of Transportation, who is an openly gay man, and transgender folks are winning. Uh, uh, congressional seats and things like that are happening. And we think, okay, well now maybe we can start anew. I don't think we can. I think we, we have to factor in the history and the abuses and the, the torture that a lot of minorities have endured for decades, of, you know, centuries. Uh, I, I personally, I, I think that what you're discussing sounds idyllic um, and it sounds... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
utopian and I love it in theory. I don't know if it's possible. When I see things that people are capitalizing on, mm-hmm. that tells me that they're just capitalizing on a scenario and they don't really give a shit. Okay. When that group or something's out front and trying to capitalize a situation mm-hmm. in a way, I don't think that improves anything. Does that makes sense, yeah, you know? I mean, I think, I think so. Now, do you have an example uh, that comes to mind? Well, it's just like a lot of these corporations jumping on this whole trans thing right now. Yeah. You know, I'm like, like what? I mean, to me, being a business person, you know, first of all, I don't think it does any good by doing that. I think there's a better way because if you're if you're making money off a situation, then you're only thinking about making money and you're really not helping solve the problem. Sure. Does that yeah, make yeah. sense? Because sure. that, that kind of aggravates me a little bit. I, I mean, I don't know the answer I to that, either. but I don't think it's right. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't I sure know the do. answer. We, we joke in the, in the gay community about uh, how June, you know, every, every company uh, is all of a sudden uh, rainbow flags this and, and queer ally that and, and, you know, it lasts for Pride Month. It's a marketing ploy. July comes around and the flags get taken down and you don't hear about it again until next year. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's an ongoing joke. Uh, you'll see memes about it on the Internet. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. That there's, um, there are a lot of people capitalizing on social issues that need more than just a highlight uh, for a, for a moment for the purpose of making them more money. Because in a way, I, in a way, I think I think it makes that position go deeper. It makes it worse. Right. It's dividing more. You know, we're supporting, but in in reality, they're really dividing more, and they're out front. You know, with these scenarios, it's almost like if the corporations really wanted to help, you know, if you if you reversed engineered that thought process and let the community lead their own ideology. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of being a controlled ideology, you might have more success. Their their capital contributions could could be less in marketing and more in supporting groups that support those Feel free. Feel free to talk about how you've put money into these these uh, you know goodwill organizations that help queer youth, uh, the homeless queer youth, or something like that. Feel free to say you you gave a million dollars to that organization, but you know maybe maybe spend less money uh, putting uh, pride flags on every absolute bottle that comes out uh, of vodka, you know, during the month of June. Uh, so yeah, I think it could be re- reallocated uh, into into more purposeful ways. Sure. Yeah, because I think I think too. A lot of these corporations use it as a slant uh, in their in their political mm-hmm. position, which I don't I don't even like talking about politics. But I think you know I th- I think if you can take a pure source of whatever it is and let that pure source lead its own narrative, mm-hmm. then I think you have better results instead of letting someone else control a narrative that may have an agenda based on the narrative for their own benefit. I feel you. Let the community lead their own thing because have you think about it has the community ever been able to really lead their own narrative the way they really feel well that's a case-by-case answer um but i, I hear where you where you're where you're coming from with it like collectively you know what i mean i know what you mean i don't know i'm a very i, I got i gathered that from uh, this podcast thus far which i appreciate which i, I value <laughs> i value uh i listened to, to uh, some excerpts of, of other podcasts you've done and 
And I knew that about you coming into this. <laughs> you know, when you're in the middle of this world of meth, I mean, did you, I mean, how did you feel? Did you feel, did you feel more value? Did you come depressed? Uh -huh. When did you realize you had to get out of so it? I didn't. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer how I felt. Uh, I did not find myself feeling depressed that I recall. Uh, but I was always high. Uh, I would sleep maybe four hours a week. Uh, you know, and it was only when when I would. Uh, there's another drug called uh, G that is often done in conjunction with crystal meth at these um, sex parties, uh, which is a pleasure inductor. It's like uh, it's beyond ecstasy. Or I've never done heroin, uh, so I can't speak to the the pleasure uh, that one gets from doing heroin. I can't imagine. It's I, I don't even want to imagine what that is like, but. I have done ecstasy in Mali, and let me tell you, G is, is is more pleasurable than either of those. Unfortunately, it has a really destructive side effects, uh, whereas if you do too much of it, uh, it's also called the date rape drug sometimes. Uh, it's one of the date rape drugs. If you do too much of it, you will pass out without knowing that you are about to pass out. Twice that happened to me while driving rideshare passengers when I was in my early addiction, which is documented in the book. Uh, I, when I take taken too much G, you, you, they call it falling out because you just you truly have no idea you're about to pass out. Uh, you could be in the middle of a sentence and just gone. You're out. Consciousness slipped away. Um, and so, and I say I bring up G. Uh, because that was the only way I ever got to sleep if I, if I took too much of it. And sometimes I would have a friend who knew I'd been up for a week and the delusions start and the paranoia starts and, and the visuals, the hallucinations begin, the auditory hallucinations too. And they would see that starting to creep in. So they would, they would give me enough G to knock me out, which it sounds wild. They're overdosing me with a drug uh, just so I'll sleep. In a friendly way, they're overdosing me because uh, they know that I'm going to be even more destructive if I, if I didn't get to sleep. So personally, no, I was not depressed, but I knew people that were. Clients that I sold to, friends that I had, um, because they were just sitting around, you know, waiting for their next hookup, waiting for their next orgy, watching Judge Judy, whatever it may be, just smoking meth all day. And whereas I deluded myself into thinking that I was of massive importance, that I, ha I, was, I was helping shape how meth was being distributed and I was going to change the game and I was going to make it a nonviolent industry and, and all, these, all these grandiose delusions. And, and moreover, I also told myself I was researching a movie that when I eventually would get sober and would stop using drugs, that I would write a movie about this world as well. So my participating in all these dangerous and risky activities and criminal activities was only research for a movie that was going to help people and inspire people and uplift people. And so, you know, you tell yourself all kinds of, at least I tell myself all kinds of things, uh, especially as, as an active addict, um, to be able to uh, justify the, the using and justify the, the shitty choices I was making. Um, so personally, I never let myself go slow enough to feel what I was really feeling. And crystal meth has an amazing ability to quash whatever negative emotions you're feeling at the time, as does G. Uh, so I felt like I was on top of the world for much of the time I was there uh, until the danger starts creeping in. You know, uh, car chases and robberies and grifters and, and uh, you know, guns being shot and held up at my head and you know, the, the, the things that you can't avoid. Uh, and you, you also can't 
uh, retaliate if you uh, have chosen to be a nonviolent criminal, which I swore up and down I would remain. Uh, and I did, but I also had everything taken from me. All of my money, all mm -hmm. of my drugs, all of my clothes, all of my sanity. By the end, I trusted nobody. I thought either somebody was working for a, a competitor or working for the feds and the DEA or working for my mother trying to get me into rehab. There, I could trust, I trusted nobody. By the end, I had no credit. Uh, you know, I had 90 grand in debt. I was a mess. It was, there was this NBC article that went out recently about my travails in San Francisco. And the Twitter comments were really out of control. Thankfully, I didn't uh, respond to any of them. But a lot of them were like, you know, how much money did this guy walk away with? He should be ashamed of himself. Listen, honey, I, I, I walked I walked with with uh, I took me five years to just get back to zero uh, after the debt I walked with. When, when you are that deep in addiction and you're trying to, to pull off uh, a mini drug empire and you're that deluded with all the chemicals and the sleep deprivation, you're not getting out of there uh, a rich man. And I certainly did did not. Uh, um I think that answered your question, did it? <laughs> Probably 20 other yes. questions. If you're listening out there, the the book is Tweak or World, a memoir. What kind of money were you talking about when that was oh, flowing through? Oh, so it through? started in my first few weeks of selling small bags, uh, you know, probably seven grand a week. Toward the end, 15 to 20 grand a week. But only for, it was only for, you know, a month or so where we were, had hit that type of critical mass. And that was because we were supplying everybody in the queer community. We were supplying the, the people that sold pounds, ounces, eight balls, down to, you know, uh, grams. Um, people that were, were shipping it to other locales. It, pretty much everybody came out of the woodwork. Um, I was foolish enough to take an offer from uh, a gentleman who had uh, become liaison who was my liaison to the Mexican cartel. And I, I go into the details of this in the book, so I won't really get into too much, but there was two competing cartels that were, tr that were trying to take over the meth market in Northern California, probably all of California. Uh, and the cartel that was associated with the people I was working with, they uh, had been stockpiling for a while and had stopped distributing. So when they went back into the market, they could undercut their competitors so drastically that they could take control of the whole market. And, and it just happened that deluded uh, filmmaker Jason showed up right around that time when they were making that transition. And I happened to meet the supplier that they had installed in in san francisco and i was a, i was his workhorse you know i was out hitting the pavement doing the work to, to build that i lived in california and i call them the boys i mean those boys were always with anything two minutes away and you know a hundred different cars around every city in california you, you know what I mean? So, I mean, if anybody's listened to that, it's a very it's a very dynamic world. And it's a little different in California, I think, than anywhere else in the in the United it's States. Also the accessibility because crystal meth is pretty much all manufactured, cooked, if you will. Uh, I'm sure most people have seen Breaking Bad uh, in Mexico in these super labs in Mexico. It didn't used to be like that in the 80s and the 90s. But the Mexicans took over the cook uh, in the 90s and uh, the early aughts, uh, as depicted in Breaking Bad. Bad. 
And um, because it only has to come straight up the freeway to California, the, the, the availability, the quantity, the, the price, it's all much more accessible here. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it is a different climate on the East Coast. You don't hear about meth addicts to that extent. And I mean, that, that's, that's one, of the, one of the many reasons I wrote this book is because it will get to that point. They will distribute it so, uh, so widely that the prices will drop on the East Coast and it will become more accessible there. And it will in Canada and these, and these other locales where it's still very expensive. So I'm trying to expose this entire world uh, before it does get out of control because it's not like crack. You know, you 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 hear crackheads, you know, crack mm-hmm. babies, all these, these terminologies. There's a lot of racial connotation too that I that I won't uh, get into, but I do a bit in the book. But you picture a crackhead, and they they're missing teeth. You know, that they're, they're they're dirty. They're probably uh, unhoused. Uh, there's all these visual uh, assumptions that we make when you hear crackhead. Listen, the people doing crystal math, especially in the queer community, they are your barista. They are your surgeon. They are your mailman. They are fucking everybody. That kind of addiction wow. does not discriminate. And it, if you sleep, if you force yourself to sleep and you brush your teeth and you eat, listen, crystal meth, you're not going to know somebody's on crystal meth if they're doing the things that they need to do. But I'll tell you, I don't want my surgeon to be high on meth uh, when, when he's operating on me. Yeah. And, and you just yeah. you really wouldn't know. So we got it. We got to nip it in the bud before it, it gets out of control. People ask me, you know, aren't you nervous by confessing to these crimes and everything? Um, yeah, not nervous. Uh, you know, there's 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 a, a, a niggling in the back of my brain once in a while that thinks, oh, geez, you know, what if there's a DEA agent with an axe to grind that wants to come? Listen, I'm out here trying to help make their job easy. I'm trying to 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 lessen this epidemic. Yeah. I was part of it for a year. I regret much of what I did. And I'm out here uh, instead of just saying I'm sorry, I'm saying no. Here's the full caboodle. Here's here's the whole thing. Here's how it works. Here's where it's coming from. Here's where it's getting distributed to. And here's how it's going to expand if we don't do something about it soon. And I don't know what the answer is. I'm not I'm not um, law enforcement. I'm not a policy maker. But I but I can tell you what the best that I can do is shine a light on it because, you know, sunlight is is mm-hmm. always the best disinfectant to start. Uh, I'm going to need other people to rally with me, though. The last name, Yamas, and we'll we'll close everything up. Absolutely. I think it's been a good conversation. And I think it's very some some deep info here. Where where's the Yamas? Uh, um, it actually from? means cheers in Greek. Uh, if you, I've never been to Greece yet. I plan on going soon. If you're walking around Athens or wherever in Greece, and you hear people lift their beer and 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 say say and they'll say Yamas. Um, uh, it, it means cheers. And my family, bless their heart, uh, who I'm sure much of them are very embarrassed with this book coming out. I have a lot of conservative relatives uh, that I've not heard from since the book came out. Um, we're the only Yamas family. So yes, if you know a Yamas out there, they are related to the former crystal meth kingpin of San Francisco. Um, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic. Um, I'm calling myself kingpin, but, um, uh, most, mostly just mom where's, and where's mom and dad, dad at? Dad's retired now down in North Carolina. Mom runs a yoga and wellness center outside of Philadelphia called Awakening Wellness. It's wonderful if you're ever out there. 
check out her yoga classes. She, they're, they're both delightful people. Our relationships used to be more strained when I was using, even before they knew I was using. Back, you know, even before Adderall, when I was just using cocaine. Um, I was not the, the, the best son back then. Uh, since I've cleaned up uh, these, it's over, over six years without meth and hard drugs, uh, our relationships couldn't be better. Uh, we, we talk every day, uh, and they've been ex exceedingly supportive in me getting my story out there. Nice. Well, I wish you the best of luck, man, with uh, Tweak a World, a memoir, and, and hopefully you, you sell this as a TV show, because I think it would be, it's kind of a, a real-time deal. Has there been anything made about that really in the hasn't. gay community? So uh, the, there was a reboot of the show Queer as Folk that came out on Peacock last year uh, that, that briefly discussed displayed uh, a, a queer character with a meth addiction, but it didn't dive into the story. Unfortunately, the show uh, didn't get picked up for a second season, although I'm sure they would have explored it more. Uh, there really isn't. Uh, but our show uh, that I've begun developing will aim to tell the larger story of, that uh, uh, goes back to your very first question, why? You know, what, what is it that, that, that allures a queer person, a gay person to this type of addiction or addiction in general? It goes to answering that. What, what are the, what are the traumas and the heartbreak and the agony that, that these communities have to endure? Different upbringings. You know, mine was a very privileged upbringing, but that's not the only story I want to tell with the TV show. Yes, that's more of what I tell in the book. With the TV show, I hope to tell more expansive stories about about queer addiction. And maybe if you maybe if you integrate that stuff mm -hmm. we talked about at the beginning about why, yeah, like you said, why and and helping um, uh, people understand why they yes. feel the way they do, you know, they could be very uh, game changer. It could so. be a game changer. This has been um, author Jason Yamas. Check out the book Tweak a World, a memoir, and I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO right. of Bang Productions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 